Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Baby, baby. Welcome, everybody, to this week's B-Side to the Dead Punch Society. I'm your host, as always, Adam Proctor, and joining me is my co-host, Amy. Is this where I say hi to the people? It's where you say hi to the people, yeah. Hi. (laughs) So this is a patron-only episode. If you are listening to this at the moment, uh, you are either enjoying our uh, wicked teaser uh, to the the Patreon only B side, or you're a patron yourself. If you're not a patron, head over to Patreon.com/slash/DeadPunnets and subscribe at five dollars or more per month, and you'll get access to this B side and all the rest of them in our back catalog. We got a lot of good shit there, people. Don't miss out. And uh, yeah, you're gonna get a good solid ten or fifteen minutes of our banter, and uh, after that, you'll be sadly cut off. So head over to Patreon.com/slash/DeadPunnets and enjoy the full length episode We're all so about amy quid per co access baby yeah 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 i mean we Patreon. give a little something we, we give a little something to the people just to, just to wet your whistle make you extra thirsty and then uh but we need your money we need your funding we need your support uh we took on a new co-host as most of you will know by now um we have new equipment needs new overhead and all that sort of thing. So we're doing a little bit of a fun drive this summer. We're trying not to be overly obnoxious about it. So if, you're, if you've been on the outside looking in for some time, uh, please uh, dig into your pockets, pull out some ch- from, uh, change from your couch cushions or whatever you got to do, and uh, smash that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Come in from the cold, baby. It's nice inside. Oh, it's warm as hell in here, man. It's so warm. All the hot takes just keep it like nice and toasty year-round. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So we've committed to doing a question and answer session this week. Uh, We've got a lot of listener-submitted questions that we want to get through in a fairly systematic and hopefully brief fashion. (laughs) We're two windbags, so we'll do the best that we can. Um, The questions are really great. I was impressed. We had a lot of topical, a lot of very focused um, queries from the listeners. Uh, Looking forward to getting getting to those one by one. Question number one. Oh, man, this is a good one. This comes from an anonymous listener. They write, Mark Fisher wrote Exiting the Vampire Castle in 2013. Do you think the problems he described specifically with the online left have gotten better or worse in the last five years? Solid question. Uh, Mark Fisher, as many of you will know, wrote a very influential essay in 2013 called Exiting the Vampire Castle. It was an indictment of the extremely online and moralistically inclined left uh, that saw online engagement, public shaming, and all the rest of it as an end in itself. Um, It was a a moment of of left political defeat, you might say, following Occupy. There was a retrenchment of, uh, you know, mainstream and far-right politics in that moment across Europe and elsewhere. And uh, the left was very demoralized and as such... You know, we just bit each other's heads off online uh, consistently, and that essay was 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 a, a a desperate response to that political moment. It was very influential for me. I was God. I was probably ready to leave the online. Well, not the online. I was probably ready to leave the organized left at that moment. I had been a part of 
uh, several socialist organizations at that point, both campus-based and community-based. And that, that essay was really a breath of fresh air. Um, it was interesting to see like for the first time that, that there were, that the dynamics that I had seen that were very toxic and, uh, focused on sort of in-group status and power seeking by really broken individuals, that that dynamic was being experienced by people across the country and across the world. So it was really, really instrumental uh, uh, to my development. Amy, what do you think? Do you think uh, that dynamic that Fisher described in 2013 has gotten better or worse in the last five years? What's your take on that? Uh, well, um, being the analytic pedant that I am, I want to be sure that we address all of the question. So I think it's worth noting that something like better or worse are kind of stipulative notions that we haven't quite explicated, like like what better would mean and what mm. worse would mean. But um, I just want to shelve that for a moment um, and just kind of, um, I guess, sort of reframe an element of the question in terms of like, the there is, I think, a particular tendency on the left to um, treat a, a particular piece of writing um, that was incredibly incisive, but also very like um, emotionally cathartic for a lot of people to then um, extract that out of its time and its place and its material conditions, um, and. Such and I think what's <laughs> well, I think what's critically important to remember is that um, the whilst the tendencies that were playing out in a particular way that Fisher described, um, those inclinations still exist. Um, the stage on which they are being manifest is significantly different. So in 2013, the online left essentially was the left, right? Um, there was not, by any stretch of the imagination, the degree of um, tangible involvement in um, political projects on the ground and certainly in the um, potentiality for a left politics to be victorious that that didn't exist in 2013 well, so there was a la there was a labor left i mean we should we should emphasize there was oh, a labor left but, like, the but they labor were marginal left were not and, on yeah. tumblr and not engaging definitely. in culture online now it may be true that in particular labor organizations and certainly in unions and anywhere where like there is a hierarchy where certain shitty behaviors will quite frequently be rewarded due to the nature of hierarchies like there were probably similar manifestations that would occur in union organizations and all the rest. But um, I think what Fisher spoke to is a time and a place. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of what he was observing whilst it manifest in particular ways on the online left, it was also um, a time when, you know, I mean, Facebook had really only become like normative or, or hegemonic um, as a social media platform in like, 2008, 2009, right? So the ways in which online social engagement with one another um, played out were still relatively new um, or at least new enough that you could start to be making observations about what was going on online 
that um where a lot of that shit was still relatively new right like um whilst whilst fisher observed like dynamics that were left oriented um someone like john ronson wrote so you've been publicly shamed a couple of years later which was less political but certainly observed a similar bunch of tendencies so i think part of what was going on was like an observation of what happens online and then the other parts were certainly like specific to the left um but i guess what i want to suggest is that the i think all of those tendencies are still very much there um but i think today the stakes are very different um and so if those beha- and and those behaviors do exist um I think the way in which they could potentially be worse or, or have worse outcomes is that today we have um, a pretty unique moment um, in terms of the potentiality for left politics to actually be victorious. Um, yeah, in 2013, to the contrary, um, there wasn't such a window opening. It was um, a retrenchment of neoliberal forces much. following was, the Great Recession, the sovereign yeah. debt crisis, and all that shit. Yeah, the left was in defeat and withdrawal in many. Well, like it after was a online. brief window, after a That's brief window of 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 hope. Yeah, but I want to also reiterate that, like, there seems to be this kind of myth making about Occupy as though it was a. Uh, purely like it was a left movement i don't no, think I that's true that completely yeah i agree with that i don't think that's true at all yeah that's that's either looking at it through rose-colored glasses or just looking at it through like the sociological celebrations of occupy if you were on the ground there were a lot of just like shitbag libertarians there were a lot of just milk toast liberals who wanted fiscal a lot reform of people who just meant the status uh, quo is fucked it was totally yeah. incoate that's it was, what it, it was, was. collect it was a collective no without any that's what it was. There's yeses. a lot of people saying this is <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, and it was valorized, right? That that like collective no was valorized by the likes of David Graeber and some of these other fools, I think, in, in a very like uh, <laughs> disruptive way. Yeah, I came at David Graeber. Come at me, bro. I mean, I know a lot of our listeners probably love Graeber. I don't. Uh, I don't have time to tell you why I don't love David Graeber. But anyway. Um, he's saying he's doing a bullshit job. <laughs> David Graeber is doing a bullshit job. He should probably retire. Ooh. Um. Yeah, Retire, I know. That, I, we probably I'm just kidding. lost. <laughs> <laughs> totally we probably kidding. just lost fifty patrons. Uh, so be it. Uh, Graber blows, and I, I'm happy to tell you why. Very patiently, uh, if you would like me to. So, uh, folks, dear listener, uh, reach out on Twitter or Patreon or otherwise, and I'll, I'll tell you. I believe you. what Adam. I believe what Adam is saying is, please at me. At me, bro. Yeah, at me, and I'll tell you why I don't like David Graeber. But you're right to say the character of Occupy was far more mixed and in Kuwait, and not in a not in a potential, not in like a, a pregnant way, right? It was. I don't think it was necessarily uh, pregnant with any left wing possibilities. I think I think we saw exactly what we got, and exactly what you don't we think got it was, was kind of pregnant. Oh, I think a lot of people got pregnant uh, while participating in Occupy. <laughs> that's really cute. In the encampments. I know, actually, I know a couple, but anyway, that's another story. A um, couple of people who got pregnant. Like, and married and He's all the rest Cardi of it. Park. Like, oh, it's it's fantastic. Uh, actually, this was Occupy DC. But like, I've, we've, we've now seen the life cycle of Occupy emerge to the point where not only did people meet there and fall in love, 
uh, but now they're married and they've had kids and the first divorce. Oh, it's fantastic. Now we know we've reached like the full life cycle of Occupy. The first couple that I heard about who met and married as a result of Occupy have now divorced. So man, we've really, Occupy has now, it's in the history books. It's a thing. It's happened. Anyway, whatever. We've, we've said too much about that. We got a lot of questions to get to. Here's my take on it. I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right with one minor modification based on my experience during my time in the left. I've only been on the left for about... Uh, so, sorry. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. sorry. Are you, are you fucking standpoint epistemologying me? Totally. I'm, I'm speaking from my identity position. It's really cute. I want you to expect. I want you to respect my experience. That's fine. Like obviously, you have epistemic (laughs) privilege in this area. I do. I one hundred percent. So I need you to. I need you to to be to silent yourself. To be silent. And I will. I'm capital L. Listen. I'm going to listen and amplify your voice. Amplify my voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a leftist for approximately a little over a decade, I'm in a unique position, and I'm going to be. I'm going to totally just like. I'm going to totally just be self-serving for a moment. I think there's something to that mid-range leftist position. I've thought about this before. This isn't just an off-the-wall hot take, although it might sound like it. Bear with me. I think the obvious the, the obvious limitation of being a short-time lefty is that you're incredibly short-sighted and everything is brand new and you only see the world through your sort of very limited N equals one uh, sort of experience with left politics, right? And I think that involves the vast majority of the extremely online left today, and even perhaps even the majority of, like, say, your average DSA member or you know average budding socialist uh, today. And then I think there's also a pitfall of being a long-term lefty. I mean, like a generational lefty. And so far as you look at various upsurges in a very kind of like cynical way where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen this upsurge come and go like nine or 10 times now, and it never really amounts to anything and blah, blah, blah. It sort of invites a certain kind of cynicism, right? Although maybe a rational cynicism, but a cynicism nonetheless. Nonetheless, I think the mid-range socialist position right now has the most to offer, and I occupy that mid-range. And so, maybe whatever, maybe it's self-serving, but let me, but hear me out. I always I've been around knew the left. You're a fucking centrist. <laughs> I'm a, a centrist, Jesus Christ! I'm right there in the middle of experience. Goldilocks, so, baby. I think, and this is my generation. I say my generation of socialists are like the people who founded Jacobin, more or less. Maybe a little longer. They've been around a little longer. The people who founded Jacobin, Uh, some of the people who are sort of like leading DSA right now have sort of been in the organization for approximately a decade or or a little little bit shorter than that. They've been organized socialists for about a decade. And I think we have a very unique perspective because we we have now – this is the way that I – and I'm coming full circle back to exiting the vampire castle here. Mm -hmm. We have now seen two fairly distinct upsurges in left-wing organization. And that's how I characterize – whether or not you know exiting the vampire castle or since 2013 have we gotten better or worse. I agree with your characterization, but more specifically, I think that what we saw in 2013 was the crash of the earlier Occupy wave. And so it was, it, was the, it was the organized, unfortunately, extremely online left succumbing to the contradictions that were in many ways baked in to the upsurge of – 2009 following the economic collapse which which you know evolved into occupy and the the uh the uh, occupation of the squares movement across the the globe and then um 
I think that that wave crashed around 2012 and 2013. And Fisher's essay was a response to the, the way in which the movement sort of succumbed to its own contradictions that manifested in these really ugly and toxic sorts of ways. So when you say something like baked in, I know absolutely that you're not being a fatalist. What you're referring oh, oh, sure, to sure, sure. is a bunch of specific characteristics that um, when played out to their logical endpoint led to yeah. that. What well, are it's, di- it's dialectical, right? So, di- it's, so yeah. a dialectical view so of the world saying, is that there's a temporary. Can you articulate yeah, no, I'm, that? For I'm the a, yeah, I'm explaining to the audience. So, there's a dialectical thinking, right, in this terms of thinking through history and contradictions that, that there's a temporary sort of unity of opposites and opposed and oppositional contradictory forces that are held together very briefly. But then those rifts and contradictions open up increasingly until they crack entirely. And, and then something else sort of has to be created out of the rubble so to speak and i mean i don't know i'd have to put a whole hell of a lot of thought into it i think some other people have thought through this very carefully um i think there was this kind of like uh, a radical liberal identitarianism that was sort of tossed into the mix that that comes from like uh the campus-based politics of the 1980s and 90s where uh the left had been thoroughly defeated under reaganism and thatcherism and neoliberalism in general across the the northern world. And uh, so the left retreated into the universities and they made little enclaves for themselves and they got further and further away from practically engaged action, whatever. There are a lot, there's a lot more to say about that and a lot more people have written about that far more comprehensively than I could spell out in the next five minutes. So that's a big piece of it. And of course, there was kind of like the labor left, which was more kind of inchoate and decidedly unwoke. And kind of like politically rec- regressive in many instances. I think they'd sort of given in to the third way neoliberal consensus in a sort of like – in a way of just – in terms of like for their very survival, right? Just to try to keep their heads down and try to survive the onslaught. And then there was this kind of just like crust punk uh, post-2000 uh, you know, WTO protests – Anarchist, sort of like vaguely anarcho, whatever. If I could, can yeah, I throw yeah, yeah. in here for a split second? 100%. I think it's probably worth remembering that, like, whilst I'm not into determinism, like, Occupy was started by fucking ad busters. Yeah, right, right, right. Which is exactly an outgrowth of that kind of impractical and fucking performative nonsense that was anti globalization, STO. Yeah. Seattle 99 type thinking, right. which if you flip open an Adbusters in 2018, looks exactly ridiculous. the fu- No, it does. Like I was, I went for a run a couple months ago and grabbed the newspaper. Like I've not been into physical news agents in like years prior to then. And um, they had Adbusters. And while I was waiting in the queue to pay, I flipped it open and it literally had like a picture of like Sienna Miller's but and then it said something about like Fuck. the revolution and capitalism and that was you know those like flip out postcards that like encourage you to subscribe and like you fill in your yeah. name and address in the back it was like a picture of sienna miller's ass like telling you that like the revolution will not be televised i mean speak so, I was, like, uh, that about is to what like initiate like is it a super <laughs> shock that like 
when that is what initiates something that it's going right. to kind of be that way oriented. Well, I was about to say like ad busters <laughs> yeah. today is a total anachronism, but then you, then you had to bring up that name Sienna Miller. Like I haven't even heard the name Sienna Miller since like the late nineties. So like <laughs> they're 100% stuck in an anachronism, but we talked about this. I talked about this with Lee Phillips uh, in season one, when he came on the show, good friend of the show, patron, hope he's listening. Lee's brilliant guy. Uh, should have had him on to talk about this particular segment because he spoke to it very, uh, very. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't mean enough? like I should have had him instead of you. I mean like all of us, like the whole like gang. You, is I here. feel like that's exactly what you like, meant. And I'm calling you out, motherfucker. The whole gang is here. Actually, really, we just wanted to marginalize your voice, actually, and silence you as a woman mm. of color. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I'm we a do. woman of color from the subaltern. That's what we do. But anyway, Lee spoke to this very uh, poignantly when he was on our episode uh, some months ago. If people missed that, tune in and you'll hear all about that WTO sort of Seattle 2000 anti-globalization movement. And that was a key element. We're going to come full circle now, bring it back, reel it back in. That was a key element to the wave that crashed. It succumbed to its own contradictions. And so the way for me to assess, okay, how do we, how do we understand, have, have things gotten better or worse in the last five years since Fisher wrote Exiting the Vampire Castle? Well, what I would have to say to sort of move us out of that framing is to, to, to then envision that we are now perhaps, I hope not, but perhaps at the crest of a new wave of radicalization, a new wave, which, which, as you mentioned, rightly so, is, is for operating at a far higher level of intensity in terms of its material uh, consequences. It's like the stakes are higher. The yeah. stakes are higher because we can actually do shit right now. Like we can get shit done and we have gotten shit done so far. And the promise is there, right? You're talking, we're on the precipice of Medicare for all, as far as I'm concerned, in, in, in the United States. Uh, we're on the precipice of a, a Corbyn uh, UK Labor Party uh, government, you know, in the coming year. We're on the precipice of all sorts of really exciting potentialities, I think. I mean, they're not inevitable, but they're potentialities. And so, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're at the crest of a new wave. And unfortunately, I think that we're still suffering from a lot of of the pathologies that Mark Fisher pointed to back in 2013, except on different terms and perhaps more dire terms, which is why, like, I don't want to sound like histrionic when I talk about this on the podcast, like week after week after week. But that's why if I, let me, let me rephrase that. If we sound histrionic week after week, it's precisely because of that, because the stakes are so much higher right now. We just can't afford to be suffering from the same pathological bullshit that Fisher so poignantly like, you know, uh, uh, outlined in 2013. Yeah, go ahead. If I may, um, and not to um, be a fucking theory dogma head quota, but um, like here's the thing. If we continue with the type of behaviors that Fisher was so beautifully articulating in that particular essay, um, we risk um, totally illustrating the notion that, like, first is tragedy, second is farce. And that concludes this week's free preview of the patron-only B-side. To get the full chat between Amy and myself and our entire back catalog of B-sides, head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and subscribe for $5 or more per month to get full access and to support the New Left Agenda. We couldn't do this without support from our patrons. It takes a lot of hours 
and a fair amount of overhead to keep this thing going on a weekly basis. So uh, head over to Patreon and smash that subscribe button. And uh, until then, we'll have more free stuff coming to you at the beginning of next week. Dead Pundit, out. Oh, this you crazy mother... Oh,